Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin, the CEO of the Conference Board and the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we're going to talk about succession planning. Why is it important to create this talent pipeline? What should a good plan include and how can you best prepare leaders to succeed those ahead of them? You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Joining me today is Cheryl Stokes, the CEO of C-Next, an organization that helps to develop and advance high-impact leaders. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you so much. So Cheryl, you've had an awesome career. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what you've done in your career? Well, thank you, Steve. Well, my roots are in engineering. I'm from Flint, Michigan, the birthplace of General Motors. So, of course, I went to General Motors Institute and worked at GM early in my career. Um, I worked in the aluminum industry as a metallurgy and process engineer. And it was there that I got more interested in people and the challenges that underlay some of the technical issues that I was experiencing. And so went to graduate school I had the privilege of being at MIT in a program called Leaders for Manufacturing at the time. It's now Leaders for Global Operations. But it was when there was the Organizational Learning Center there, and that was my passion, learning. And so I focused on learning, culture, and change. That led me to the Coca-Cola Company as an internal consultant around learning, culture, change, and leadership. And coincidentally, there I met Jack Stahl, who is one of the co-founders of CNEXT. He was the global president of Coca-Cola at the time, but was privileged to work with the company and many of the bottlers around the world. Um, left in 2000 to move to North Carolina and help Duke University start a business, Duke Corporate Education. So helped found and run that business for 18 years, working with clients globally, variety of roles, leading the business in Europe, et cetera. Um, came back from Duke in 2018 from Europe and joined Hydrogen Struggles as a partner in the consulting side of that business, um, focused on leadership, DEI, culture shaping, and I had the opportunity to do work around succession planning, particularly CEO succession, uh, in partnership with many of the search colleagues there. And I have been very privileged to be at CNEXT for now a little bit over a year as CEO, and for me, it really brings together those themes of my career, leadership, culture, DEI. And so delighted to talk with you about succession planning and the connection to development. Yeah, you know, listening to uh, your background is, um, it, you know, is, is very instructive. And, and it's interesting that you started out as engineering in the business. You know, you didn't start out as an HR uh, person in recruiting and so forth, like so many do. But you, you really got a grounding in the business, you know, you might want to share how that grounding and understanding of the way the business works helped to um, help to guide you, you know, in, later in your career and, and obviously in leadership. Yeah, it's a great point, Steve. Um, I very much value the business grounding that I got. And, and I think as, you know, CNEX, we work to develop enterprise leaders. I, I have a view that enterprise leaders really do understand the business, how the business makes money, how the parts are connected. That always was my own curiosity. And I think it helped me in my consulting stages to really have that sort of that engineering curiosity and that intellectual curiosity about the challenges that businesses were facing, even as it relates to people or technology or whatever the challenge might be. 
Yeah. So describe what you do at CNEX. Now you've been there for, you know, as CEO, you're developing, you're working to develop leaders. How does that all that work? Yeah, so CNEXT is a leadership and executive networking and development business. We work with Fortune 1000 companies to help them build a more robust, prepared, and diverse pipeline of leaders. You know, our leadership programs are really unique. They're led by current and former Fortune-ranked CEOs, by various subject matter experts, and best-in-class companies themselves teach in our programs. And what they're doing is providing actionable frameworks for our, our leaders and our members to transform what they're hearing from the CEOs or the subject matter experts into new future-proof solutions that really help them accomplish their goals in business and grow as leaders. Yeah, so you know we're we're, we're talking about succession planning, and um, I you know we've got to start with saying what the heck is a succession plan? Yeah, it, it's a great question. So a succession plan really is a process and a plan. It's a tool to ensure that there's a continuity of leadership, that organizations have the pipeline of leaders and capability that they need to execute their strategy and position for the future. And really, the goal of succession planning isn't about a transfer of power necessarily for leaders having the next CEO or the next CXO, but it really is about having a robust, inclusive pipeline of ready talent so that when it's time for a transfer of power, so to speak, it's not an issue because you've got the capability that you need ready and teed up to move into role. Yeah, and you know, it, it, this is increasingly important in a knowledge-based economy and and knowledge-based companies where you know human beings are the assets of an organization, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I would go so far as to say when organizations don't have thoughtful succession planning and when they're not attentive, they're actually putting the future of their organization at risk. If you're dependent on current leaders and current leaders only and you haven't thought about what happens if they're not available or the next person in line isn't available, then you're opening the door to potentially not continuing the company, potentially not, um, potentially not um taking advantage of the future opportunities that are there for the business. Yeah, and you know we operate in a multi-stakeholder world with customers, employees, owners, and community. And so you, you risk running a disconnect with all of those multiple stakeholders. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and good succession planning considers those multiple stakeholders, which is why you know I use the, the, the words a robust and inclusive pipeline because I very much believe in the power of diversity and inclusion in order to get great business results, great decisions. And when you have a succession plan that reflects the communities where your constituents are, that reflects the, the talent base available and the customer base, then you are more likely to have great candidates who are in tune with the needs and the opportunities of the business. Now you work with Hydric and you know they're a, a you know a world-class search firm. You worked on the consulting side of that, but what do you say to people when, you know, they say, well, I don't need a succession plan because I just, you know, I just hire a search firm and we'll find somebody from the outside. Yeah. And, you know, no disrespect at all to the Hydrix and Corn Fairies of the world, because there's a very important role for executive uh, search and for external talent. But if all you ever do is hire externally to meet critical roles, you send a message to your current organization that there's no path for them. 
you do a disservice to the talent that's there without giving them the opportunity to develop. And, you know, they've invested their lives and time in the business and they may be the right successor with some coaching, mentoring and development to prepare them for that next role. Yeah. And, you know, in my career, it's, it's, I've learned that you always look at the people around you and you go, well, you know, that person's not perfect. That person's not perfect. And by the way, if you look in the mirror, that person's not perfect. But, you know, from the outside, everybody looks wonderful. You know, they look perfect. And so therefore we should go outside. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is those people are not perfect either. And so sometimes, you know, you're better off, you know, going with the people that got you there. Sometimes that's absolutely true, although I'm I'm of the opinion that for those more senior roles, it is great to have both external and internal candidates because you get a view of the market, you get a view of what talent may be available, and you're given the opportunity for people who've grown and know your business. But what's key is having objective assessment that allows you against a profile of what the role may be. Let's, so let's go with C-suite. It's a CXO position. Um, you need to have a picture of what that role is. What are the requirements for current state and for the future where that role needs to take you? And then you should be able to assess those candidates, both externally and internally, against their capability to perform the role. And there are going to be gaps in whoever you meet, right? No one will be perfect, to your point earlier. And with an external person, you know, a lot of it is unknown. So you'll have to do reference checking. You'll have to get as much data as you can to understand really the track record and capability that they have. For your internal people, even if they aren't the candidate that's ultimately selected, when you assess them, it is a great opportunity to give them a development plan that helps them um, address some of the gaps that may have been uncovered. So they can be just better leaders, period, and a, a viable candidate for succession. Yeah, and, and realistically, there needs to be a balance uh, because you want people coming, some people coming from the outside for new and fresh thinking and so forth. But, you know, it's, uh, you have to think about corporate culture or company or organizational culture and, and how to maintain that. And so the secession from within is a piece of that too, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, when I talk about assessing the candidate, I think best-in-class organizations also assess the culture and the team that the candidate will come into, because that gives you a view of what's there now. If this person coming in is extraordinarily different, maybe you need that if your desire is to transform or to shake things up, or if you're, you know, you've got too much groupthink, if you will, there's too much uh, homogeneity versus um, if it's someone internal, they may sort of be stuck and we do things the way we do things, right? So it, you have to have a view of the, the team that the candidate would be leading, their culture and the profiles of those individuals so you understand what the potential candidate brings to the party that will be different, that will push and challenge them, and where there might be potential conflicts that you know, you'll have to help them navigate. So, you know, describe generally what a model succession plan should include. Yeah, so a model succession plan definitely starts with a clear understanding of the organization's strategy and future needs. So you've got to ground it in the business, understand the role. So again, it, since it's one that many people will be familiar with, if you're talking about CEO succession, what is it that you need? 
the, the CEO of the future to do. And it's gotta be beyond the current job today, if you will. So getting clarity with the board on that role description, getting buy-in from the executive team on that role description and the capabilities required that are essential and which ones are sort of nice to have. So you've got that profile that you're looking for. And then once again, you have that, you have to have a way to assess against the profile. You know, if you're working with a firm like a Hydric or a Corn Ferry, et cetera, they've got tools that do that kind of assessment. Some organizations manage this process internally, and so they may have an internal 360 that they can, or, you know, an internal assessment doc, uh, diagnostic that they can use to assess against the profile. But you've got to have data um, that grounds you in what's required what the candidate will need to do, where there would be gaps. And then you've got to have the plan for any individual under consideration, um, what they would need to do to close the gaps. Because to the point we've made earlier, no one will be perfect. So you'll have to decide where do we have the strongest candidates that bring you know, something unique, that bring something that's missing now, what else will we need to do? So you've got the role, you've got the assessment, you've got the plan. Uh, and then finally, um, best in class organizations, you know, they aren't just looking for one or two people, they've got a pool of potential successors. And so having a view of that pool, where they are, what experiences do they need? Um, maybe it's just a matter of they haven't run this part of the organization or they haven't worked in it enough. So maybe it means an assignment in another part of the organization. Maybe there's external education that they need. So they, you know, go to a, a program at one of the business schools, or maybe there's internal development that they need, or maybe they come to a program like CNEX where we do that kind of development, right? So you, you have to have all of those things in place and an indication of the, the time that you would expect a person to be ready by in order to move into the, the next role. So you know, there's a lot of pieces there in what I've said, but, you know, key is this is also a living document. It's not something that you just do once and then you put it on the shelf, but, you know, people continue to evolve and grow and they have new experiences. And so you've got to note that and incorporate it into your plans because maybe it moves your internal people higher up in the pool, or maybe there's an external person that you considered, you know, a couple of years back that, you know, now their skill set seems even more relevant. And so you might want to reconsider them if they are still interested. So it's a, a living document that evolves to meet the company's needs. We're talking succession planning with Cheryl Stokes. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the conference board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem-solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a Conference Board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. 
Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Cheryl Stokes, the CEO of CNEXT. So Cheryl, we were talking about, you know, what a model succession plan looks like. You know, maybe you could share with us an example or two that might be familiar to our audience on a succession plan that was well executed. Yeah, so there are a couple notable ones in, in the tech field that most people would be familiar with. So Apple, um, Steve Jobs, everyone knows the amazing work that he did with Apple, but he brought Tim Cook along. Um, Tim was Apple COO. He was being groomed for that role for several years before Steve's uh, passing. And so Apple was planning and had uh, Steve and Tim working together long enough where Tim could absorb the things and be mentored by Steve, et cetera. Um, still in tag, uh, the, the CEO of Microsoft, um, Satya Nadella, where he was identified as a successor to Steve Ballmer early on, and he was giving, given different roles of increasing responsibility around the business until he was ready to take over. Uh, and so, you know, that's an instance where, you know, his, I think his unique cultural perspective also helped reinvigorate uh, Microsoft's strategy and their culture as an organization. So those are two that I think most people would be familiar with. Yeah, and I, I you know, one was sort of more of an emergency situation, you know, with uh, with Apple. The other one was more deliberate. But I, I, it goes back to what you were saying before the break, which is you have to start with what are the needs of the organization and, you know, what are the, what's the future plan uh, that the organization has? And then what does it take in a leader? And, and it may be something completely different than, you know, than the leader who's current, the incumbent in the role, but somebody different to take them to, you know, the next level. So that, you know, in each of these cases, I think, I think you've described that. And the other thing is the, you pointed out that, uh, you know, that these successors have experiences in multiple kinds of multiple places, at least in the organization. And, and, you know, you may want to just build on how important that is because it used to be you know in business you, or in an organization you started up in you know in one vertical and one column and you got to the top and, and and that was it but but that really didn't prepare people as well for you know for these leadership roles did it oh i, I totally agree and absolutely that's not the way that it would happen today but i know what you mean it used to be you came up through finance and you ran the business right or you came up yeah. through sales and while those experiences are highly relevant it's important to understand the other functions of the business and whether that happens with an internal candidate internal to the business or whether it's an external person who has had a variety of roles in different industries, that breadth of experience is extremely critical um, for senior leaders to have the sort of foresight to understand, you know, what's happening in the market, what are the trends that are that might be impacting the business and, and that present new opportunities for the business. And if you've grown up in, in just one stovepipe, if you will, it can be difficult to, to connect to those trends and understand the environment. And also the, the varied experiences um, across functions and, and parts of the organization help you understand how to lead and connect with those parts of the organization once you have responsibility for it all. I mean, how many times have you heard of a, a leader who, if they grew up in finance, they can't keep their hands out of the finance parts. They want to keep kind of doing the job. Whereas 
when people level up to these senior roles and C-suite positions, they really do have to have the strategic oversight of the business and not be that you know, hands-on technical person or else they, they risk alienating their leaders and underperforming and many other not so great consequences. Well, they wouldn't be doing their jobs, which is, you know, leadership of a broad, you know, in a broader context. So Cheryl, I, I have to ask you, so you're talking, you've talked about all the components of a succession plan and, you know, you've given some examples. Whose accountability is it for succession planning? Yeah, you know, succession planning really involves a range of stakeholders, but it's a shared responsibility of the executive team. Typically, the CEO and the board are at the helm of senior succession planning. And then, as we know, HR plays a significant role as an enabler, um, implementing the strategies to get, you know, an array of talent with the right backgrounds to, to manage the assessment process. And, and typically, a CHRO will be running that process for the executive team in partnership with whatever external resources he or she may um, connect with. But it, you know, the key is that it's collaborative in that um, identification of the the needs and the pool of talent. Um, and then the other steps are the things that we talked about. You know, I, I've I've heard people say, uh, you know, when asked, do you do succession planning? They, oh yes, yes, we have a lot of leadership development. Our <laughs> um, leadership development and succession planning the same thing or are they different? No, they're, they're different, but related. You know, as I mentioned earlier, succession planning is a process that, relies on leadership development, but it's the process by which you identify the pipeline or pool of leaders to replace other leaders as they leave or as they retire or as things happen. And so succession planning, there's a plan that comes out of it, right? Whereas leadership development is an ongoing process of preparing a broad spectrum of leaders for the organization. It may not be necessarily everyone involved in a leadership development program is on your succession plan. It just may be about helping leaders be better leaders today for the job that they are, helping equip them with new capabilities, not necessarily putting them on the succession plan for leading a department or a function or a division or a business. Right. So okay. basically, a succession plan is the roadmap for the position, but leadership development is the process by which you, you know, you develop the individual, right? And, and important in all of that is mentorship, you know, and, and you've been, you know, really an advocate for mentorship. Talk about how that process works. Yeah, mentorship is incredibly important as it helps um, equip leaders, new leaders, leaders in role, um, to have guidance and, and support from others in the business who can be a sounding board, who can share their own experience, who can help make connections. And, you know, side point, people talk about mentorship and sponsorship. They are different. Um, sponsorship is typically where there's a, a more senior person who's putting sort of their, their seal of approval and credibility behind a more junior person to give them opportunities. So you're you know, advocating for this person to move into a role versus mentoring is that almost coaching relationship that you have with another person who can help, you know, be a sounding board and help give you input to strategic decisions, et cetera. 
Yeah. Now you mentioned, you know, DEI earlier and, you know, a lot of companies have developed DEI groups, you know, leaders of the internet of themselves. And then you, you know, there's a DEI process within a company, but sometimes people kind of put that and say, okay, that's that, that's over there. And then leadership and succession is over here. And what I heard you say is that, no, 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 they're all interrelated. Talk about that. Absolutely. So DEI, and I would add B to it for belonging, is a, a critical strategic business initiative. You know, you have to ground whatever you're doing around DEI in the strategy of the business in the same way that you ground your succession plans. That's so they're related in that way. Um, and similar to a succession plan, the executive team has accountability and ownership. And it's, you know, not because it's corporate altruism where you're trying to, you know, right wrongs in society, but it is because so much research has shown and, and you know, so many examples for decades of organizations outperforming their competitors in the marketplace when you have a more diverse and inclusive set of talent and it just it just makes sense you're getting differing perspectives different experiences different backgrounds and so you're connecting with your your stakeholders your community the talent in ways that if you are too hom homogenous you don't have that benefit um so you know dei um is linked and a, a critical part of the strategy of the business so in the same way that HR is an enabler and implements the succession planning, HR typically is an enabler and implements the DEIB work for organizations. However, I'm a firm believer that the accountability of it rests with the executive team and that connection that they're making to, you know, why is this even important for us as a business? What, what benefit does it help us get and how do we connect to our consumers and the talent and our key stakeholders, uh, the, the communities where we operate in a way that generates value for all of us. So, you know. Yeah, so, it, so it's not a separate, it's not a separate thing you know. that you do. It's all part of this whole process. And I think, that, you know, that's really important for people and, and uh, leadership to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just as with any other strategic business um, initiative, you prioritize it, you resource it properly, and you measure, you set targets, and you measure the outcomes. Exactly, exactly. You mentioned some some things that you thought were important um, for leadership um, development, and hence succession. Um, you know, some of those were to make sure you had the right people, the right cultural fit, and, you know, some cross-functional moves. Any other thoughts on, you know, what can help develop the best leaders in a succession plan? Yeah, so it, it definitely varies, but, you know, best practices, number one would be to be intentional. So don't, you know, have it be an emergency situation, but you're actually intentionally planning the development of that talent. You're planning development for your organization. Um, again, it's grounded in the strategy. It is, um, I would say, broad reaching. So definitely consider your internal candidates, but also look externally to understand, you know, what's best in the marketplace and, and how might you develop that capability in-house if you don't have it or bring it in-house if you don't have it. Um, those are all things to consider. And, you know, where 
leadership development is um, happening more broadly, one of the tenets that we have at CNEX is there's a lot that you can learn outside of your industry. And so we, are, we do a lot of um, cross-industry, cross-company learning. Um, and, you know, there's a, an argument, certainly, that there are things to learn in your industry that are very specific. But when you get to scanning the environment, understanding trends that are happening that could impact your business, and then having enough foresight to know how to react and to be agile and, and adapt and, and create, you know, new solutions that work for your, your clients and your company, it's easier to do that when you're being exposed to a broad array of leaders and people from other organizations. And so there's a place for learning outside of your industry that stretches that muscle of, you know, the, the word I keep using as foresight, which we know is uh, critically important for leaders. Carol Stokes, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Um, appreciate the opportunity and I'm happy to talk with you about succession planning and leadership development. And thanks to all of you for listening into CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in human capital, geopolitics, economics, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with all of your potential successors. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.